Welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Lila McRae. Welcome to another episode of the Yak Sports Podcast. Obviously, I think to open up the thing that's not only dominating Augusta County, but the state of Virginia at large and our nation is another tragedy at a school this time at UVA, and it strikes close to home. Um, I think I speak for Leland in this sense by saying that, obviously, our thoughts are with the family members and friends, and our family members and friends that have ties to UVA um, and the victims. Um, it's just incredibly sad, and I wish we didn't have to go through this. Yeah, and there's nothing nothing we're going to say here that, you know, isn't probably obvious <laughs> or uh, changes anybody's minds about what's going on here because it's terrible and that's what we're reinforcing. Um, you know, I, I struggle on this topic whenever they happen, which they happen a lot. And, uh, you know, it just hits close to home here and it, it just it brings it more to the front. And uh, it's harder because you're you're dealing with people that you know that are, are dealing with this and uh, it's, it makes it tough. So absolutely uh, just, just terrible. You know, like hearing the news late last night actually kind of got woke back up uh, to the news and me not coping <laughs> with this topic. Well, uh, I just kind of went back asleep somehow and I was thankful I did. Not everybody in my house did. And so waking up to, you know, more information and uh, getting caught up with what was news overnight. But then also knowing that the shooter was still out there was is just very unsettling and bothersome. So I was pretty thankful for law enforcement that they were able to catch up with him soon. And there was no more violence and and all of that. And that we didn't have to go through the drama of a manhunt, which we've we've had before. So. Um, just, yeah, thankful for law enforcement's reaction to this, um, thankful to local media and, and our friend, Mike Barber, who comes on the podcast all the time. And I was going to try to get him on next week. Might not happen now, but that's fine. Uh, he's in there, you know, jumping into a press conference on a topic that he was never expecting to cover, uh, you know, probably in his career, but also especially this week. And, uh, you know, on Mondays they're getting the ACC, teleconference and talking to coaches and all that stuff. And then he's in there asking much different questions at a press conference. So I really appreciate not all. Yeah. I, I talk about him because he's the one we know very well, uh, but all the media that's covering this and people, you know, being journalists. And I appreciate that. And, and it was kind of a comfort to hear his voice during the press conference around 11 o'clock. Uh, and that was the big one that they, they told us what happened for sure. And, the victims. And then during that press conference was, was the, uh, there was word that they had caught him, which was, which was good. Um, you know, Mark Barber's voice in the middle of that asking a question, I made me happy. So thankful for the people enforcing laws and the people covering this whole thing. Cause uh, no one, no one wanted to be doing that today or anytime. And so I'm thankful for those people. Yeah. I, I think, um, this is the, the hard part of their job is, having to try to catch someone who has done something like this and um, I, man, I just can't imagine um, just what they went through that whole night when they're looking for him and when they finally caught him today. And I think you could um, tell by the police chief's kind of sigh of relief 
when he got handed yeah. the piece of paper that they had him in custody that um that's one less thing he has to worry about now and and that's like the most dangerous aspect of it yeah that, you know, but now it's thing. now it's trying to deal with the rest of this process which is going to yeah. be dealing with the grieving families and trying to bring justice um to a situation that is just seemingly senseless and uh it's just incredibly sad and i think you and i see it more even than we normally would uh just because of the kind of accounts we follow on social media and stuff because they're they're athletes but this is tragic whether they're athletes or just anyone really to be to be caught in a, a shooting like this is incredibly devastating and sad and obviously yeah, they're all sad but when it you know it is more in our face and it is people that we right you know, because we follow at sport accounts yeah. and college sports accounts like yeah. that's everywhere i mean it was really hard to escape today um Definitely. even the folks in richmond that i follow you know it's thoughts are with uva and what's going on there today virginia tech accounts are tweeting similar things sure. and jmu accounts are tweeting similar things yes. and it's just it's incredibly sad, and unfortunately, it's a it's a thing like Virginia Tech knows all too well. Um, it's something that they're sadly familiar with, and um, I think you know, talking to a friend of ours, you you said something that I kind of agreed with. I, I just wish we were able to live in a place where we could talk crap to each other and. Yeah be rivals yeah be rivals in the stuff that doesn't matter and sadly um you know we we get brought back to reality too often and this is one of those scenarios where it doesn't matter whether you wear maroon and orange or navy and orange it's it's a sad day and it's incredibly devastating that this kind of thing still happens today um and that's kind of all I want to I say about it is just how sad I you brought up the rivalry. I, I mean, I want to, I want to be in the position where it's a rivalry and, and I'm rooting against them. And like, there's no sense of me, no even molecule of me that is ready to root against UVA and anything anytime soon. Um, and you know, we have the big football game that's on the schedule coming up. I, I don't know how they play that. I don't know how they play another game. I don't know how you, you know, well, I think that's up to the practices team. and games around funerals. Like, I don't, I don't know how that, I, I, it's just impossible. So I, I think we'll hear more about that. We're recording Monday night, just so everybody knows. Um, I, I think I that's up to the players. Like if the players in the team want to play to, for those guys, that's how, their choice. If don't they don't, how. I can't blame them. Like you said, I, no. I, I don't know how I would get through that, losing a friend, somebody that I was close to, <laughs> let alone three I, people I was close to. I mean, that would be really incredibly difficult. But if those guys want to do that, then by all means, they should be allowed to. If they don't, yeah, I, no if yeah, they don't, yeah. I, I don't imagine there's going to be a lot of uh, blowback on that either. I, I would surely hope not because I, that's, I just don't want to be, I would never want to be in their situation. It's incredibly difficult and incredibly heartbreaking. To, to be fair, much, much different logistics surrounding it, but you know, I was on a high school team and we lost a player the night before a playoff game. And it, it was, it was one of those hardest times of my life deals, you know, when thinking back to it, I mean, it was absolutely tough. Um, for a teammate that, you know, <laughs> we were in the same position group and stuff. And uh, I mean, it doesn't matter. You're in the same locker room. You're at the same school. It's just tough. And, uh, we played that night and, uh, then, you know, he, he, he passed away on a Thursday night in a car wreck. 
And uh, so, you know, the suddenness of that I can relate to. And, uh, you know, they play we, Friday morning. We find out about it Friday night. We played the game and we were spent. I mean, everybody was spent and uh, just didn't have it in us to play a good game. And, and we lost. And, and that's and that's all fine because it doesn't matter. Um, so, but I I just don't know on this scale and this situation and just even the more just the way this is different, I think just makes it more, it would surprise me if they play. I, it's their choice. It's up to them. I, I, I'll react to whatever I hear. I'm not going to sit here and beat down what I think should happen. I'm just, I just, I, from my reaction to it, I I'm shaken today. I'm a rival fan uh, and not on the team or anything. And I'm, I'm messed up today. And so I just don't know how they get any production this week and are prepared to uh, put themselves on the field this weekend or next weekend or whatever. So. We'll see what comes out of that, but uh, whatever whatever they want to do, I'll support it. And uh, there we go. I'll I'll deal with what comes from that because they're dealing with something much worse. So yeah. Um, so we are gonna again. Our thoughts are with the victims and uh, family and friends of the victims during this time. Um, but we are gonna try to move on with the local sports coverage of our podcast. Uh, and we'll start with Clark County. Uh, losing to Stewart's draft. Stewart's draft had a big win, 35-14. Cougars played really well. They got a win. Um, and this was a game I thought was possible they could lose, but they came out and kind of dominated Clark County uh, in terms of the scoreboard, uh, even though Clark County kind of in yardage was right there with them, but they made mistakes. Stewart's draft didn't, and uh, the Cougars were able to win, and now the Cougars have a huge test with Strasburg coming up. <laughs> I'm just, I know myself right now, we're coming out of that topic. I'm going to be low energy on this podcast today. So all, all the listeners can know that because it's just, it's a tough day. It's, it's a tough transition there, but yeah, uh, happy draft one. I mean, that's something, you know, to be happy about there is Stewart's draft gets the win on a Friday night on the road. And there wasn't a lot of that, especially in the classifications that we follow in the regions that we follow. So it does deserve to be uh, kind of highlighted. And that's why we're talking about it first because there, you know, a couple five seeds, but and they, they were one of them, but not really any other, other lower seeds one. So proud of Stewart's draft of stepping up, playing a good, tough game, playing tough football against Clark County. You know, they really shut down their rushing game in the second half. That was the key to their victory. First half, 21-14 game at halftime. You know, it's that's kind of anybody's ball game, especially the way Clark County plays and that bull run district. They're used to those seven-point games and those, those you know, second-half comebacks. Stewart's draft shut that down, stopped the run, and that's how you stop Clark uh, <laughs> Clarksville or uh, Clark, Clark County. County. I just messed up. My, I'm mentally messed up, man. I'm just warning you. So, um, yeah, so they stop him, and that's what you got to do. Graber was great. You know, he threw a touchdown pass. He had three touchdown runs. And, you know, that, that's what they needed, that kind of performance. Looking ahead, you know, it, it, the Strasburg won 42 nothing, so they, they are going to host Stewart's draft this week. You know, draft's going to need that effort and more to win a game against Strasburg. Strasburg's the number one team in the Bull Run District for a reason. They haven't lost on the field all season. And so Stewart's draft's going to need to shut down the Rams running game and have big running game themselves. And, and they're going to need more than Graber being the highlight name in the post-game stats, when you look at this, they're they're going to have to have you know Smith or Thompson or everybody having good games to come out on top here because Strasburg is tough. Strasburg is tough. Uh, they're a physical team this year. I think they're going to be just fine. Um, I, 
Stuart Schrapp's going to have to play much better than they've played all year, in my opinion, to, to win this game. And I, I just don't know if that, that extra level is I agree. There. I agree. I don't, I can't look at the game and be like, that's the game Stuart Schrapp has to play to win this one. Cause you know, in their tougher games, um, they lost, you know, they lost to Larray, they lost to Riverheads. Um, they, you know, looking real quick. I mean, the games they won, Wilson was a winning record team. They won Buffalo gap was a winning record game. They won. I think they got to be better than those games. So I completely agree with what you're saying there. Um, they're going to have to have a better effort. Cause I think Strasburg is better than those two teams. Uh, Strasburg sure their run first. Uh, you know, they have Ryan roller. It's a coach's son there. He's first team, um, offensive, uh, all, <laughs> uh, like uh, all-purpose offensive player. He wasn't first-team quarterback. He was first-team all-purpose because he can just do so much. Uh, I mean, last game he you know ran for 82 yards and had a touchdown pass. Like he's just that kind of quarterback. Like Graber is. That's not indifferent to what Drew Straffs can comprehend. They have a guy like that on their side of the field, but they're going to have to stop him. And he's really good. Been great all season. Uh, one of the best players in that district, you know, best offensive player in that district. That's going to be tough to stop. But then you got the ability for him to hand it off to Coates or Stern, and they're very good. They're all district players. They got tight ends that they can dump it off to. And that's what I like about Strasburg's passing game is that it's not just throw it deep to the wide receiver down the side of the field and hope for the best. They're, they're really using those tight ends, those short range passes that I think are, you know, within range for a high school quarterback. And so I, I, I like their attack as a team, you know, wh- whoever they're playing. And I think that's going to be trouble for short draft to stop because when they've played the better offensive teams this year, it seems like they've had trouble stopping them. And, and then to pair that with the idea that Stewart draft is going to have to keep up with them. Uh, I'm worried about that too. So they're going to need better than last game. And uh, it, it's either do it or don't and, <laughs> and move on or don't. Yeah. Uh, and if they do move on, they'll play the winner of Loray and Central. I would imagine that's going to be Loray. Loray kind of thumped Central the last time they played. That being said, Loray has kind of uh, not played as well as they were earlier in the season. That was um, kind of the end of their really good run. Yeah. They beat Central Woodstock and then lost the next two. So, you know, what what team is, is going to come out this week at home? Yeah. So we'll see what happens. Uh, I do think they'll beat Central again. And then... I think they're playing Strasburg. So uh, we'll see what happens, though, in 2B. Class 1, Buffalo Gap. That was the game you went to. You saw it in person. They beat William Campbell 56-36. Not a lot of defense. Would like to see that change if I'm Buffalo Gap. But the offense uh, was clicking on all cylinders. It was kind of bizarre. I mean, they came out in the game, and they had a 24-yard touchdown from Blake Robertson uh, just a couple minutes into the game. Then they had a three and out stop. And then they have Alfin just, I think it that was the drive where he ran two carries for 69 yards. Uh, the second, which is a 15 yard touchdown and they're up 14, nothing. They had the three and out. And I, I think I texted you, you, you were in Richmond yep. and I'm just like, game's over. And uh, I was wrong because the next three offensive series for William Campbell were a 47-yard touchdown pass, a 56-yard touchdown pass, and then a 40-yard touchdown pass. So they stayed right in that game. The problem for William Campbell was their defense never got any better throughout that game. They gave up, you know, the only thing that stopped Buffalo Gap was pretty much the end of halves and, and the strategy at the end of halves. Um, it it was they scored their first six possess or first five possessions, then the half ended, and then they scored the two or the first three possessions of the second half. 
So you just you're not going to win games just giving up points like that. And you know, gap started to adjust, I guess, after three touchdowns on how to, you know, put a safety in the middle of the field and keep it closed down. But also William Campbell kind of went away from even taking shots downfield. And they even had their best receiver on the sideline, one of the guys that had caught multiple touchdowns early in the game. So I think they had some internal stuff that they were dealing with, and that worked in Gap's favor too. Gap's going to win that game. I'm not trying to say they were allowed to win. Gap won that game. Their offense was dominant. But it is a huge concern that they gave up, you know, three wide-open touchdown passes down the middle of the field. Now, Central Ludenberg, probably not as good at passing as William Campbell when you start looking at the stats. They're capable, but just not – William Campbell's going to go to that quicker than Ludenberg is. I would just have to think when they see film this week, their passing game is going to get discussed a good bit between the coaches. And, you know, hey, here's a weakness that we need to make sure we're ready to explore this week in a home game where Buffalo Gap's traveling across the state. You know, dump them off a bus and let, let's try to hit them the same way they got hurt last week and see if we can get something out of it. So I, Buffalo Gap's got to be ready for that. Um, it, it's a, a team effort. It, you know, I, I think you, I talk about just the safety being in the middle of the field, but I mean, I would imagine if he's not in the middle of the field, he was probably trying to cover for somebody else's job. So a team defense is what stops those passes from happening. And so they're going to have to be ready for that. But they're going to be passing. The, they're going to be facing a strong run game, no matter what Central Lunenburg's attempt in this game is, and that I think can cause Gap a lot of problems. They have the running quarterback that does a great job. They have that Bam Jones guy who's a senior. I, I remember him being pretty good, like three years ago when they. I think they played Riverheads a couple years ago. He was good then, and now he's a senior. Um, they they're they're loaded, and then they do have an outside threat there with the Jamil Alexander kid. So. You know, Gap's going to have to be ready on all fronts here. And this is a much better team than William Campbell. I mean, they're undefeated. That doesn't happen by accident. I, I realize when you start looking at who they played and who they've beat, nothing, you know, makes your jaw drop. Nobody that Central uh, Lunenburg has played this season is currently still in the playoffs. So I understand the argument. They haven't played anybody. But they beat the heck out of everybody they have played, and you can only play who's on your schedule. So Buffalo Gap's going to have to be ready. I think they have their hands full this week. Yeah, I, I hear that. But to be fair, no one that Buffalo Gap has beaten is still in the playoffs either. So No one they've beaten, correct. That would, yeah. be, the, uh, that would be the devil's advocate. I think this is going to be a good game. I actually uh, I could see this game going either way. Um, I hope Buffalo yeah. Gap wins. Yeah. But yes. I would not be shocked if they if they go down again. I think I have said here the past few weeks, I think I'm learning the Shenandoah district is kind of Riverheads and then a glob of about five teams. And it depends yeah. on which which day they play each other as to who can win that one. Um, but we'll see. The other defense has to play better. Is- defense has to be better. Defense has to be better. These two teams did play a year ago. They played in uh, this game a year ago at Buffalo Gap. We called it on the radio, and and Gap controlled that game. It was 44-20, but Gap kind of got up and then handled it from there. You know, I think that's kind of – the memory of that game is going to be probably what Gap wants to do is is control what Central Lunenburg's doing a bit better than what they did last week. That's going to I don't think it's going to be a, let's just go try to outscore and let's see if we can get 56 again. Cause I don't think central Lunenburg will allow that. So I think gaps going to, you know, need to lean on their ball control. Of course, last week, it wasn't like they chose not to do that. They were just running to the end zone. Uh, so there was no time to use up clock, but I think they're really going to focus on that. I think that approach to that Stanton game earlier in the season, I think that's my model game here, you know, run that yeah. ball, be diligent about it. Um, don't, you know, 
make good decisions on a fourth down, make sure it's fourth and short, but then be willing to go for it like they did. I mean, that was a perfect, um, you know, a lot of the offense in that game was perfect for Buffalo Gap where they were able to ball control. I don't like the interceptions in the middle, but they were taking their shots. I, I think just maybe a touch more patient, maybe avoid those turnovers in the middle of the game and, and do what you did in the first and fourth quarter against Stanton. And I think that's the way they come away with the win here. Yes, uh, I think that is how they would get a win. Um, and while I think Buffalo Gap is probably about the same as they were last year, maybe a little bit better. I also think Central Lunenburg is better than last year. So that's why Central I do think this is going to be a, last year. Yes. Yeah, that's why I do think it's going to be a closer game than 24 points like it was last year. Um, and yeah, I mean, Buffalo Gap, if they're able to use the the trenches to their advantage, then yeah, they could have a big, big night. But when you look, and I know you already talked about opponents, but when you look at guys, I mean, they've got two guys that are hovering around 1,000 yards for the season. Another guy over 700 yards. That's they can also move the ball on the ground. So that would be that would be the concern if you're Buffalo. They can Gap play is, ball control against Gap. They can right. they can be that. This game. is this is a game so. where you the neither team wants to go behind early. If you go behind multiple scores early, it's going to be a hard fought game to claw back because both teams are going to want to run the clock. So uh, it'll be interesting, and we'll both have an eye on that one as. We get to the weekend. Yeah. Riverheads. Gap's gonna have Gap's gonna have to be in the backfield. That's the key there. Sure, they're gonna have to have that push up front. And and to put numbers to the point, we I think we both made. Central Lunenburg's averaging about eight more points a game, and they're giving up about half as many points a game. So they're better on offense and defense per the numbers, playing similar teams. So sure, uh, Riverheads will beat Sussex Central in the region <laughs> semifinal. Uh, Sussex Central. Uh, beats Franklin 20 to two. So they get to drive over the mountains to the Shenandoah <laughs> Valley to lose and then drive back. Yeah. And uh, this is a, a matchup we've seen a couple times. We've seen it in a state semi. We've seen it in a state final. We've seen it in a region final. And every time Riverheads is just really taking care of things. The closest game was back in 06 when uh, that was the first time they met. And that was in the state semi down at Sussex. But since then, the state final, the region final, have both been blowouts. And, and they look a lot similar, to the way, particularly the last two meetings. Um, and, and it's Coach Curtis Jefferson. He's been there for all three. He's been there since 2001. He's been there forever. And, uh, but he's got a similar look to the team. They're really run first, capable of putting a pass up, but they really want to run. They got, they got everybody kind of between the tackles to start the play. They, they're, that's how they're going to approach this. So, you know, they're going to need big plays and turn Riverheads over and, and wait for Riverheads to make mistakes. That's going to be part of their game. There's a lot of teams that, you know, wait for Riverheads to make mistakes that get to, you know, start their wrestling and basketball seasons pretty, pretty quick in the playoff time. So yeah, it, it's, it's a tough matchup for Sussex to come up and play Riverheads like this, but uh, it'll be good to get Riverheads back on the field. They've already, you know, had their third bye week of the year. So it will be good to get them back on the field and get things back going. And uh, that's the game we'll be at for ESPN 1240, the boss. So uh, listen in on Friday, we go on air five 30 and have you all the way through there. We'll have updates on all the games, but uh yeah, Riverheads favored in that for a reason, and until Riverheads uh, loses to somebody, that'll be the first time I can see that they're not the best team in Class One. And as you've pointed out for I think four years running now, because you've only you've only been on the radio with us so many years, they are the best <laughs> team in Class One. So it's just not an argument. Uh, our friends at West Point lost, so they're done. Uh, Westmoreland oh, will now play Essex. Shocked. Did yeah. someone make sure they were? Did someone properly warn them? I don't know. We were able to do that for him a couple of years ago, but you did somebody warn them this time. 
Uh, probably not. Uh, <laughs> 1D had some upsets, though, including Lebanon, the seven seed, beating Twin Springs. Yeah. That was a 51-49 game, so that must have been a fun one. But, yeah, now they get Grundy. Uh, but yeah, you know, one D is a weird region. I, you know, one a and one D are always the ones that are putting out some, some weird things happen. I think the two seed is lost down in one D a, a lot of times. I, I'm used to seeing it in one a as well. So, uh, not, not absolutely shocked there, but well, it's midnight Lebanon, for Lebanon now. Lebanon a little bit surprising. Yeah. It's midnight for Lebanon now. They're not being Grundy. So, uh, class three, we go. Unfortunately, this is where we have some bad news for our teams. Wilson lost to Brookville 41-21. Um, they just gave up a lot of yards. Seven yards of carry. And uh, really no answers. Rough day for Pogorski passing. Uh, only completing 41% of his passes with a turnover. Tyree never, despite scoring two touchdowns, uh, still held to 65 yards. Just a, just a tough game for the Hornets. And um, I'm not saying that that's bad uh, i think we both talked about coming in go- last week this was a game that we didn't expect them to win because brookville's really good uh and for wilson unfortunately the seating just didn't work out the way they needed to to get a win in the playoffs yeah and it just seemed like kind of following along on twitter while we were at the buffalo gap game it just seemed like especially early brookville got wilson off the field when it mattered and and i, I don't think there was a whole a whole load of three and outs for wilson but i, I think there was you know, get to midfield and then, you know, the ball's in the other team's hands. And, you know, I, it was only the one turnover from Aiden Bregorski, so I, I'm not leaning on him there. And I think it was a valiant effort. They they stuck with him. And I think in the second part of the season, he was he made their offense go better than it was early in the season. So I, I appreciated that they, they stuck with that plan, even in the tough times here. And um, it was just Brookville's too good, and, and that was part of it. If you tell me Wilson's going to score 21 points in this game, I'm, I'm going to say – that's a good effort. They're still not going to win. And that's exactly what happened. And, and they had the good effort and they didn't stop fighting. And that, that was some of the tweets I got from the Lynchburg media out of that game was, you know, Wilson refusing to quit. And so I appreciate hearing that. I think it's a good sign for the future. I think coach Buckton's doing a great job out there. And uh, I think, I think in my mind, I think I've said this for a while now, they've overachieved from what I thought they were going to do this year. So I'm, I'm anxious to see what they're able to do in the future. They got Tyree and Mundy coming back and, and Tabler. Um, so the running back, field is is back they'll have a lot of pieces on defense back as well but you know i'm going to be interested in what, to what they're going to be doing at quarterback considering how productive they were when naden was playing really good and they and they let him kind of control that offense so uh i'm interested to just hear that in the offseason see what they got in august and i might be cautious again about them but i think it's a positive side the fight and and what they were able to do this season i think a lot to commend so i i'm positive on wilson i think that's a good season right there uh, for Stanton, they lose 35 nothing to Heritage. Um, this is another game where I think Stanton is just outmatched. Yeah. I was a two-seed Heritage. I mean, it's Brad Bradley's got them going well. They're, you know, they're teeing up to, you know, try to knock off Brookville, try to knock off LCA. That's their path here. And uh, I said it to you. I, I think I said it on air on Friday. I said, you know, Stanton scoring in this game on Friday was going to be tough. And it proved to be true. And uh, they limited Stanton to 57 total yards. Uh, Darby had a tough time. Fields wasn't able to get going. And and that's where that offense starts. And, and as much as we like to see the, the fun plays on the outside and Jeff Frog get his opportunity to change the game, if that if the bread and butter is not working, 
the rest of it's not going to work either. And then you, you, you can't just depend on, you know, four Jeff Raw touchdowns because it's, it's, that's not what their offense is going to do. So uh, 35 nothing, they lose, uh, gave up plenty of points. They were down 14 nothing, you know, quick enough that it, it just, you could see the writing on the wall really clearly. And it was the fourth shutout of the season for Heritage. So it's, it's not like this was out of nowhere and this was just Stanton playing bad. This is what Heritage does to teams, and they did it to Stanton this week. Um, and, and, uh, we'll have to see what Satan has next year, but, um, again, they, have, like some, Wilson. they have some young pieces and some of those, they do, they lose that, Walker Darby they, though. Is young. Yeah. They lose Walker Darby though. That's true. That's true. I think they had the one kid and I forget his name now, but I know one game they did have the second string quarterback. I think against Riverheads, they brought in the second string guy and I at least wrote down the name at that point. I just can't remember it now. So I'm wondering if that'll be the guy or not, but you gotta remember that coach Mikey Bell has had all these players through yeah, JV that's and, fair. and he's really familiar. He knows what he has coming back. So I think he'll have a good plan in place to, to move forward with it. Again, I think this is a good season. I think Stanton just gets marred by seven wins and then four straight losses. If you sure. do those in a different order, I think we look at this. It's just a lot more smiles about what happened there, uh, but it's just closing out with losing four straight. It's, it's hard to smile, but I, a great season and uh, they should be commended. And I'm, I'm optimistic about the future at Stanton. That's, that's something I didn't say these last few years. Yeah. LCA an uncharacteristically close win over Rustburg and TA beat Spotswood because the only way the Valley district was going to get a team into the second round was if they played each other. So they will have no teams in the playoffs after LCA gets done with TA. <laughs> that's true. And heritage will be playing Brookville. It was a great matchup. The first time they played should be yeah. a great matchup this time too. Yeah. I think that's one of those games in the state. I will have their eyes on. I mean, that's, that's a great matchup. One of the best matchups in class three as a whole this coming week. And so there'll be a lot of eyes on that game. And uh, Brookville won this game last year when they won, they, they, uh, they ended up beating heritage and then played LCA and, you know, lost LCA. But uh, so I think it's anybody's ball game. It'll be, it'll be fun to be following that on Friday as well. Yeah. All right, now it's time to talk about high school volleyball, and the only team we could possibly talk about uh, for more reason than one is the Fort Defiance Indians, who are still playing, still in the state tournament, and that's because they won this weekend in the state quarterfinals. They advanced to the state semifinals, and we are now joined by Coach Amber Pitsenbarger, the head coach, the 2022 Coach of the Year for the Shenandoah District. Coach, thanks for coming on with us. Thank you for having me. Now we've been talking about you all year, but I want to hear straight from you. I mean, what's what's it like in your first year? Uh, you know, going this deep on this state run, winning a state playoff game. Yeah, I mean, it's it's honestly a dream. Um, these girls are amazing. They've been through a lot, and I've been through a lot with them. You know, I have been the with Fort Defiance for the last six years with the JKs, so I've got to grow up with them and. Um, kind of see them through the eighth grade, especially to seniors now, getting to see them mature and getting to take them this far uh, in my first year has been amazing. And you get you have a lot of you have a lot of seniors that I know you've been around with a lot of years. Uh, you have the Bailey Blaylock and Ellie Cook, um, uh, Addison Hammond. I mean, you just have a great group of seniors there to help lead your team. 
Oh yeah, yeah, they're amazing. And I think that's what also um, keeps us so competitive because they are so used to playing and playing together that, you know, when we were down on Saturday against Tunstall, they ended up um, coming through for a big time and they were able to face adversity and really still um, play their game. And then that adversity, that's something that you hadn't seen as much of this season. I know, you know, during the district season and, and all the regular season, you know, I think you had what, 10 straight sweeps coming through or something close to that. I mean, a lot of, you know, games where you just rode right through and, you know, three games and go home, you know, what, what did it take as a coach to make sure your players were in the right mindset as you face adversity and, and, you know, the fourth and fifth game particularly? Yeah, well, I saw them start to panic. And, you know, that's one thing that me have, having been with them for so long, I kind of know them and know their mindset. And um, I saw them start to panic a little bit in the fourth set when we were down by a lot because we, I mean, we really took care of business pretty quickly in the first and second set. And then that third set, losing 26 to 24, we really came out and we did not play well at all in the fourth set. So the fifth set, it was more just me trying to calm them back down and make them realize that, hey, like we, we have to turn it on now. We have to play. We have to stay focused. And it's 0-0 zero, zero now. It's, it's all about this next game. And they came out pretty strong in the um, fifth set in order to win that. So then I know we touched on your seniors. You also have – a couple fresh, uh, you, have a, you have one freshman, Macy and Frizzell, and then you have the junior Trinity Hedrick. You know, those underclass girls that I know that helps round out, you know, your solid play this year as well, but also look into the future. Uh, they're good as well. Talk about some of your younger players. Oh, yeah. I think it's been huge, especially, you know, I've put a lot of pressure on Macy as a freshman to step up and really perform big because we did lose six seniors last year as well. And um, especially, Losing Lainey Goggin, um, she was a huge player for us. And both of our middles, uh, we lost both of them. So Trinity and Macy have had to do um, a lot to really step up and, and play in big situations. And especially Macy here, still being so young, uh, playing in the state semifinals now. And, you know, she Trinity had 18 kills for me on Saturday. And... Macy had 13 kills, and so they've, they really came and um, stepped up big time. And then obviously we still have um, Ella, who is a sophomore. She's a yeah. outside hitter. She's been doing well, um, switching up her hits here in the, in the last couple games, and she's came up pretty big for us as well. So with, you know, just a few matches left in the season, what is the message to your team as you get ready for these, hopefully, state semifinal, not only state semifinal, but also a state final? Um, right now, I just want them to not regret anything, just to have fun and and not regret it. You know, we're one of the one of the top four teams in, in class three right now. So, um, you know, not a lot of teams get to get this opportunity. And I just want them to kind of soak it in and enjoy it. This is the first time in 32 years that we have won a region championship. So, you know, I've just been telling them that regardless of whatever happens, the season is very special and they will go down in history. And, you know, we just want to make sure that we're really staying focused and just enjoying the moment and not regretting anything. 
so, you know, you do face Hidden Valley. That's team eliminated you a year ago. Is, is that, uh, you know, that aspect of that topic, you know, something you remind the girls or is that something you put out of your mind of that was last year and doesn't matter? How, how do you use that experience against this team as, uh, as, a, as a key going into this game? Well, I use it a little bit both ways. Um, we use it as, this is a revenge match, you know, let's let's show them that, hey, we're not the same team we were um, last year. But we also use it as just, you know, they are a good team and we need to make sure that we stay focused. Um, so we want to think of it like, you know, that was last year's team. This year's team is very different than, um, than last year's team. You know, we've, we've talked about that a lot throughout the season, that this year's team is just very well balanced and they're very positive. They have a really, really good team chemistry, which I think is what really sets us apart from last year's team. Um, so we do remind them about it, but we also don't dwell on it. You know, we know that, yeah, they are good, but we are good as well. We've made it. We're 26 and 1, and we've made it here. And, you know, now it's our time to prove why why we're here. And so you talked about your history coaching with the program and the JV, but you, you played and you played for coach Sue Leonard, who you took over for talk about some of your experiences uh, playing for that program and, 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 you know, anything that might've really helped you, you know, playing that's helped you as a coach now in this spot. Yeah. So when I played, um, you know, Megan Good was our big, our big star back then. Um, and, you know, it, it was great playing with Megan and getting that, just getting that experience. And, you know, I was a defensive player and a setter. So I'm able to really like really work with our defense at setting. Whereas my assistant coach, Josh, he's a, he's a hitter and blocker. So he's able to work more with our offense. So we come out and we're a really good balance, but, you know, I learned a lot from Sue about, it's not only about just teaching techniques, it's more about just like caring for the kids. And, you know, I feel like that's what's really taken me far in my last couple of years is the girls know that I really care about them um, and that they really are my kids and I love them and I want to see them succeed. So I think that that is something that I kind of learned from too as well. So one question we do ask all of our guests and uh, we won't leave you out of this either. I know you've been busy through this season, but maybe, um, you know, before the coaching in August picked up, you know, we always do ask our guests what maybe on TV or books or movies that uh, they binge or watch or recommend. Uh, what, what are you, uh, what have you, what'd you do before the season started? Or what are you looking forward to watching once the season uh, comes to an end either way after this week? Well, before the season started, I actually, had a had a calf tear, so I I was watching a lot of um, a lot of stuff because I was playing volleyball in my Monday night leagues, and um, we I played Monday Wednesday nights, and I ended up tearing my calf playing Ooh. volleyball. So um, I was out for a good like three months, and I was watching I don't know I guess Stranger Things, and I watch I read a lot of um, like murder mystery books. And, and I can't think of any of the titles right now, but <laughs> Dance Moms is what I'm currently <laughs> binging through right now. So I will probably binge through that once, I'm, once we're done. 
Well, awesome. Well, thanks for coming on with us. Uh, we're really excited about your matchup Tuesday and, uh, and hopefully uh, a matchup Saturday, but we'll, we'll all be rooting for you and hopefully uh, talking about a big state state championship coming back to Augusta County after uh, after this week. Yeah, thank you guys so much. Thanks again to Coach Pitsenbarger for taking the time to talk to us. Uh, Leland, let's talk college football. Um, let's start good news. JMU pounds ODU in the Royal Rivalry uh, in what I hope will be called the Scepter. We win the Scepter 37-3 uh, to in kind of a dominating performance where this JMU team kind of uh, shook off the past three weeks of rust and injury and took advantage of an ODU team that just couldn't measure up. Yeah, and that was good to see because JMU had had a little bit of a rough time there where they lost a couple straight, and you were starting to wonder if the wheels had come off. And pretty early in this one, you can kind of tell, all right, things are back in order, and they were controlling the game on the defense. That was that was strong early in the season, so it was good to see that back. But then that offense, I mean, Santeo, 18 for 21. I believe he was you know a conference player of the week again. I think it was the third time this season. 304 yards. He had the interception, ran for a touchdown. Um, he had good rushers back there with him. So it, it, the, the way JMU likes to attack a game was working for them against ODU. So that was good. And, uh, you know, that rivalry, it was it was a good first edition of the in-conference version of this rivalry. And I think there was a lot of, you know, online trash talk. There was the, uh, I think, even some stadium stuff. So I, I'm interested to see how this progresses. They're playing, you know, for a trophy now uh, when those two schools match up. Um, it's going to add up to a trophy for the season. So I, I thought that was a good first ODU, uh, JMU matchup. And, uh, yeah, it was good. Yeah. Uh, all right. Virginia Tech lost to Duke in a game where I texted you, started off good, and unfortunately that's where the good ended. Um, poof. I don't – this team just isn't good, and that's kind of the bottom line. I don't know what else to say. Other than yeah, I, I, I'm just good. I, I don't know. I don't. We had no penalties there. There's problems. Yeah, no, that's it. true. There's no penalties. <laughs> but it, it goes back to what you and I harp on every week, which is I don't think this t- the talent is in the locker room. Like I don't. People are mad because the losses are piling up, and it's two and eight, and it's the worst year that I'll. And most Virginia Tech fans' lifetime. It's the worst relevant year. Yeah, it's the worst relevant year. I mean, you have to go back to like leather helmets since it was this bad. Yeah, you're going back to before Beamer, really, or early Beamer to oh, get this way bad. Before, way before Beamer, no. Um, like lose, losing six straight or whatever we've done, seven straight. How many ever we've lost straight? Like, yeah, maybe. But I think I think this record is similar to maybe early Beamer years. I don't know. Um, early have to go back Beamer playing. <laughs> Like I thought his first few, I thought his first like few years coaching work. were all so bad. Um, I might be wrong. Yeah, but... probably were. I, I think it's the losing straight is what I'm is what I'm referencing. And that's, yeah, that's I mean, I'm like, not talking about hey, the losing streak. I'm talking about the overall record. Yeah, but um, yeah, this is this is bad. And um, but that being said, again, I, I think people are really underestimating. This is why. Um, while I do think you kind of got to be a little patient now because you're you're married to this for a few years at least. Um, and you got to let him build through the portal and recruiting and, and be supportive and help in that. Um, 
back when the early signs of this were going on with Fuente, like this is why the, you know, digging for, you know, fool's gold was a problem. And this is why I did not like that. This is why saying, you know, well, you know, uh, Grant Wells, or not Grant Wells at the time, but um, Ryan Willis is, you know, he's such a great leader and he's got such heart and character. Ryan Willis wasn't good. And when you play not good players over good players, good players leave. Good players have success elsewhere. You look stupid. So good players stop coming to your school. Now you have Grant Wells because Grant Wells is the best you can get. So it's going to take Brent Pry recruiting to get some better players in here, whether that be through the high school recruiting or through the transfer portal to get some better players in. And I don't care if the kid can hold a clipboard and give a rah-rah speech. If the kid can't throw a football, I don't want to see him play. I, I don't care. The Ryan Willis's of the world can get the hell out. I don't care. They're not good enough. I, I mean, I think at this point in the season when you're losing this much, I, I you know, I really am looking for those positives. No penalties was the, was the smart butt way of saying it uh, on Saturday and repeating it here. You know, that is improvement, an area that we struggled this year. But just some of the overall stuff, is what I'm kind of more focused on. I know individual efforts aren't, aren't great um, or not efforts, but uh, you know, just performances aren't great. And that's, what's adding up to a loss. Even when we scored that early touchdown, I was like, man, it's, it's a lot, a lot of game to go. And only that was proven after that. And we just, we just never did anything again. We just never really, really threatened to win this football game. And that, that was disappointing. And that's, that's different than the last couple of weeks. We threatened to win these last two and, and then, you know, found, found a way to get out of that and find a way to lose this way. This week, it's just, we weren't favored. We were a, a 10 point dog and we lived up to it. Um, so yeah, it's disappointing. We are going to lose to Liberty. I've been saying that for a month now, we're going to lose to Liberty. I know Liberty just lost, um, but no, we're still going to lose. And uh, they're a better football team right now. And uh, I'd like to think that we are going to be a better program than them in the near future. And that's what I have faith in Coach Pride doing. And there's been a lot of reminders on Twitter, I think, from Hokie fans and just things I've seen of, like, coaches that are pretty successful right now where they're at and, you know, what they were in their first couple years, especially taking, like, in a rebuild situation. And uh, I just have to kind of look to that as motivation to stay positive about it and and hope we can do that. And now one thing that came out of that game that I thought was a major negative – the camera work was, Oh yeah. I mean, I, I really do think at least my oldest kid, I think she could have done a better job than this. Cause all you have to do from that big main camera is just point it to where towards not even maybe have it in the middle of the screen the whole time, but just like make sure the football is in the screen at all times. And you're on that big main camera that we're all used to watching football from. And whoever was running this one really struggled at that. And I had two that I went back, paused the TV, recorded it. Um, put it on Twitter, people, you know, I was going viral and stuff, not, not really viral, but you know, plenty of likes and, and retweets and views and it just, of it being terrible. And so I, I think, you know, now that things have settled in for the ACC and they have the ACC network here for a couple of years and we're tight with ESPN, I, they need to either make sure this regional sports option for our ACC games to be on is a better product or get away from it. Cause I'd rather just be on ESPN plus with professionals than on this regional sports stuff that are, that do this bad. And this isn't the only example. This isn't the first time I've watched that. And it's how, this is how bad it is. It's just, 
I'd rather talk about that because I feel like that can get fixed quicker than my Hokies game. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, UVA I, had a rough game against Pitt, 37-7. Two pick six started the game, and they just never were really able to recover. Uh, and we'll see if they, as you, as we alluded to earlier, we'll see if they play against Coastal Carolina uh, on Saturday or not. That is yet to be determined. But um, UVA kind of in a similar boat, first-year head coach, and it's it's just about trying to build the program at this point because there's um, – in terms of bowl yeah, games, yeah. both teams have nothing to play for in terms of bowl games now. And their, their priorities have just majorly changed yeah. since that game on Saturday. So, um, you know, Coach Elliott is going to get tested right here in a, in a way that most every coach in the nation has never been tested. Um, I, I'm luckily not just listing off other times where other coaches have dealt this exact same problem before. Um, but he's going to have to figure out and and what they do with their team in this spot and and – how uh, he leads these men. So uh, it's a very unfortunate way that he'll have to lead. Um, but he's professional and he's, he's, he's been in the business a long time. So I, I know he'll have um, a good approach. I'm, I'm sure of it. And I'm rooting for him to have a good approach because, you know, as much as the rivalry stuff and all that, I hope they come out of this um, as best they can. And, and that's probably still pretty bad, but as best they can. Yeah. The other college football games, uh, Georgia and Mississippi State was never really close. Tennessee, Missouri was not really close. Ohio State, Ohio Indiana. Ohio State rolled, Michigan rolled, everybody. All the, the top yep. five rolled. Uh, well, no, no, all but one. All but one. Sorry. Yeah. I, I, TCU, Texas was a good game. That was 17 to 10. That was a really good game. Uh, TCU ends up winning, kind of locks up their spot in the Big 12 championship game. LSU beats Arkansas 13 to 10 in a good game uh, that was probably much closer than it needed to be. They also got help from Alabama who beat Ole Miss. That means LSU is into the SEC championship to play Georgia at this point. Uh, And really Ole Miss had a shot there at the end. They just couldn't get it in the end zone that last time. Uh, But Hey, Ole Miss did their job plus 11 way to cover. And um, that's all that matters at the end of the day. Yeah, you know, whatever matches Joe's bets is always what matters. Nothing, I mean, not nothing, but limited went right for me on Saturday in that area. I had to make up for myself on Saturday, on Sunday. Um, yeah, Bama game was fun, but like I could have used a lot more scoring out of that one <laughs> to catch my drift. Um, and that LSU game being tight, yeah, you met, you mentioned that the LSU t- tight. That was a that was an interesting game. Had me sweating. That one went my way, uh, but just barely. Yeah. Um, Notre Dame holds on to beat Navy. Oregon gets upset by Washington. UCLA gets upset by Arizona, pretty much assuring that the Pac-12 will not have a team in the college football playoff. USC is their only hope, but them losing only hurts USC. USC wanted to beat, you know, undefeated those teams. Oregon. Yep. Yeah. Well, and, not uh, undefeated, but one loss, Oregon. Yeah. Yeah. Beat those teams and have be marquee games and win that game because they play uh, UCLA this week and then, uh, the, they play Oregon coming up. So yeah, it's, it's hurts USC, uh, chances because those teams lost before they played them. Yeah. NC state loses to Boston college because why not? It's the ACC. Yeah. Why and not? Vanderbilt upsets Kentucky because as I've said numerous times, I think 
Some of the SEC teams get numbers next to their name because they're an SEC team, and Kentucky is one of those. Looking ahead at the schedule, nothing just completely jumps off the page for me that I'm that excited about. That UCLA uh, USC game was supposed to be the game of the weekend, and it's not. I mean, whenever you see game day going to a FCS school, yeah, that's when going you, out. On, yeah, that's when you're like, what happened? And yeah, yeah. that's usually means something un, unexpected happened. And the rest of the lineup's not that great either. Uh, so it's it's going to be a quieter weekend. That's some of the weekends that you get the most surprising results. But a lot of these SEC teams have lesser opponents by far, not even conference opponents. So uh, it could be a quiet college football weekend, but it'll probably set itself up for a, a loud Thanksgiving weekend. Yeah. Um, you know, when you look, yeah, just looking, I mean, I guess Illinois, Michigan at noon. That's two ranked yeah. teams. If you're telling me Illinois is involved one of the, in one of the bigger games of the day, that that is going to reinforce. Although, yeah, they just lost, didn't they? So they're not going to be ranked. <laughs> yeah, I forgot that they lost. Oh god. Yeah, it's and it's Illinois. Like I'm just not, <laughs> I'm just not there. I, I mean, it'll be fine. I'm going to watch. I, you know, I'll still get four TV set up, but just maybe not all five. You know, that kind of thing. Oregon and Utah. That's probably the best game. Yeah, probably thirty. Probably who's South Carolina play? Why do I feel like they're playing somebody this weekend? Tennessee, they're not going to win. Tennessee, so they're yeah, they're going to get crushed. Yeah, I just knew someone. I somebody I know was fired up about the game this weekend. I just couldn't remember who it was. Yeah, that they're not fired up for a good reason. Yeah. So I think the rankings will stay similar enough, and yeah, I don't see any shift in the top four really. Yeah. And TCU, I like TCU being in there. I think whatever needs to happen to keep TCU in is fine. I, I'm not really rooting for USC to pop up in there by any means because I think it's good to have a non-current SEC team or future Big Ten team uh, on top of another Big Ten team in there. I think it'd be nice to have a Big 12 team. I know we've been hard on the Big 12. You've really been hard on the Big 12 in the past. Um, I think it's a better conference. I think they're solid. And so I'd like to see what they can do. I'd like to see them in a game and have that opportunity. I was going to say, I have been in the past, but I think it's a better conference this year. Yeah. So. Because Oklahoma's not one of them. If Oklahoma was one of them, you'd be down. Well, but also because Oklahoma (laughs) plays a lot of bad teams and barely wins. These are games that are good games between teams that I think are good. So um, when I look, when I look at the other landscape, you know, Ohio State, Michigan will take care of itself. One of those teams will go. Yeah. One of those won't. Uh, where it gets really interesting would be if LSU beats Georgia. Yeah. In a potential I, SEC championship. I know I'm not rooting for that. Let, let, I want Georgia number one seed. I'm fine with that. I think that's the only way TCU, if TCU wins out, I think that's the only way TCU doesn't get in, is if LSU beats Georgia. Because I don't think they're going to keep Tennessee out. put three in there. Yeah. I, I don't think they'll keep Tennessee out because Tennessee pounded LSU. But LSU beat Georgia and Georgia beat Tennessee. I think they'd put all three of those teams in and then Ohio state would be in because I think they'd be Michigan. I guess I'm telling you who I think wins that game. But, one of those two, but, but, but if not, if not Ohio state is Michigan. So it, that's simple. Right. Enough. Right. Yeah. I'm rooting for Michigan. I just am tired of Ohio state. And it's not like I like Michigan. I root against Michigan all the time, but I just rather them win. Just sure. So I don't care. Just only yeah. one. And then give me, uh, 
TCU and Tennessee, Georgia. I don't want LSU in that playoff. Don't have LSU win that SEC championship. Yeah. I I was listing off all the SEC coaches I don't like this weekend. And to that point, it was just awesome to see Texas A&M lose again. I sent you some tweets this weekend. Yeah. Yeah. You and Steve both separately. In like I know we have our combined group. You guys were sending me the same kind of information from different sources all knowing that how much I hate Jimbo Fisher. So I appreciate that you guys know me that well. Yeah, lots and, of firsts. Uh, lots of firsts. Trying to throw gas on that fire. I like it. So. It, yeah, lots of firsts in bad ways. Like that's. I want them to pay that buyout. I want that oh, to happen. Oh, man, that's a I lot of money. It. I know that's a lot of money for him. And like you think I wouldn't be rooting for that. I just want to see the embarrassment of signing that check. Like I think they should, you know, we should be able to see that live like them hand that oh like national signing day something yes oh and even put it in a fax machine put the check through a fax machine for just national buyout day (laughs) and him and fuente can go sit on the beach somewhere here's here's the crazy part though the way that contract's written he can get another job and they still have to pay him (laughs) 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 most buyouts if the coach gets fired and gets another job then the school's off the hook not his They've got to pay him regardless. Oh, I heard Scott Frost. I think USF was looking at Scott Frost. His agent did a really good job. Jimbo's got a great agent. Yeah. It was, it was funny seeing Cadillac Williams in that game beating uh, A&M. Oh. Cadillac Williams, it just doesn't seem like that long ago he was running for Auburn. And then to see him running around the stadium and hugging people after the game, it, it was a different different vibe for most sec games and most sec coaches. I didn't mind that. I, you know, I don't think that's who they're going to go with long-term, but I, it was, it was something to see because Jimbo lost. Let's, let's be fair. It's because Jimbo lost. I liked it. If that was happening because he beat somebody I don't care about, then I, I wouldn't say that. Sure. All right. Let's go into the D block Leland. Uh, what you got college basketball. College basketball is okay, dominating talk my about, life already. Talk about it, yeah. Because it's happy. Because we're, Hokies are not terrible. And I love and it. And JMU might and be good. JMU looks solid. I was just trying to tee you up. Yeah, <laughs> no. I was just I rolled with it. Okay. I'm not as versatile today as I usually am. Uh but they've won a couple games. Yeah, they, they don't appear to be terrible. Uh, they play terrible teams. Well, we'll see. Uh, they, they play UNC get, next. They so. got to get in their conference before we're going to say anything about that. They play UNC. That is a program next. that you left for dead not that long ago. They play um, UNC. So next. We'll, see. we'll see what wins out. Um, anyway, Hokie basketball on men's and women's side both have been great. They started out real well. Tech looked really good in that first game, and then you know, as early season lessons uh, since then, but still getting solid wins. And uh, we're scoring a bunch of different ways, and that's really fun. I want to see our defense tighten up, but even outside of Tech, you know, we've been watching Gonzaga had a big game on a battleship against Michigan State and had to come back and beat them. Um, uh, Duke's played a couple games. My wife being a Duke fan makes makes us watch those games. Um, but it's just great. I like I like college basketball. I like it before March. Uh, always do, and I th- we always talk about it on the podcast. Usually we are a little more preoccupied in the fall, uh, but uh, no, I'm deep in it already. I'm excited about all the storylines this year. Yeah, it'll be fun. I got um, 
the final four is in Houston. There's a couple notes. I just wanted to like, you know, basketball season starting. So I just want people to be aware. Uh, Houston is where the final four is going to be come uh, April. Once we get through the March part of the madness, 363 teams in uh, division one. And that's five more teams than there was a year ago. So all 363 of those teams vying for those shoot. How many is it? 68 now? 68. <laughs> yeah. 68 spots. There will be uh, just Loyola, under 300 teams upset. Loyola Chicago is now in the A-10, which I know you know that, Joe, because you've yep. called them in some other sports. But yep. Sister Jean, she's going to have some new rivalries in that in that new division. Mm-hmm. Uh, Texas, they have a new basketball arena, so I'm interested to see that. Once I can watch them on TV, I'm anxious to see that. Uh, next week is that big um, – the big – couple games on I think it's on Tuesday night where Duke and Kansas will play and then Kentucky and Michigan State will play they they always have that every year so I'm excited about that I like Gonzaga's early season schedule is awesome um Kentucky I think plays a couple tough games and then beginning December we'll have the ACC Big Ten Challenge so I'm I'm fully excited hopefully that has prepared everybody for this college basketball season to familiarize yourselves I don't think a lot of a lot of uh Virginia Tech and UVA basketball fans uh, had football was still keeping them where they wanted to be. So I know everybody's looking forward to basketball season. Yeah, I think it'll be good. Um, What's dominating my life or will be dominating my life? The World Cup is happening. That's right. It's the winter, but it's World Cup time because... (laughs) As Sepp Blatter finally admitted this week, maybe having the World Cup in Qatar was a mistake. Um, Russia and then Qatar, like both of those. And they got awarded on the same at least, night. Yeah, but one of those was at least in the summer and it didn't cause as many. So human rights violations aside, which is a terrible thing to have to say. Um, and, and loss of life of people building stadiums aside. Again, awful to have to say. The... If you if you take the I just want to focus on the sports aspect. There's a lot of problems with that side too because of not having the World Cup in the summer where it's built into every major league's uh, off season. You now have teams that had to scrunch games in the first half of the season so their seasons can end on time with a World Cup break, and a lot of players are already hurt and not going to play in the World Cup because of that. So you're having a diluted World Cup in that sense. Um, now it's time to play this thing, and now you introduce all the other headaches that come with having it in Qatar. Uh, that being said, they, mm-hmm, go ahead. They they push it to this time of year because of the temperature. Because it's oh, the yeah. only time of the year that it's even somewhat reasonable to expect people to perform sports outside, and it's right. still plenty warm, still hot, but not 120 degrees or whatever. It you know it's. It's, you know, 80s and 90s, maybe approaching 100. Uh, <laughs> that's the good. That's the good weather. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I will say there is a great documentary on Netflix you should check out. Uh, it's FIFA Uncovered. It goes into the corruption side of this and kind of goes back before Set Blatter to all that has happened here. Really talks about a lot this World Cup process and, and that. I highly recommend that. It's great watch. Is Ryan Reynolds in this too? No. Um, (laughs) This is a documentary. Um, But uh, there you could just, you just see the just sheer 
brazen nature of the corruption and how FIFA's like, yeah, whatever. Uh, but it's it's really bad. Um, group A has Qatar, Ecuador, Senegal, and the Netherlands. I like Senegal to win the group, Ecuador to come out second. Uh, I think the Netherlands are going to have a rough group and a rough World Cup. I think they're going to be out. Group B is the group that matters to us because we're in it. England, Iran. Hey, we're in the darn thing. England, Iran, the United States, and Wales. We open up with Wales. If we don't get three points against Wales, hit the panic button. Um, but we're going to beat them, right? Oh, God, I hope. I, I don't like our coach. Let me say that. Our coach is not good at his job. Which um, one is him? Greg Burholter, and he spells his uh, name yeah, yeah. Greg yeah, yeah. with two Gs at the end because he's incompetent. So <laughs> England is going to win this group. I do think we get out of it second place. I just don't think we beat England. If we're lucky, we get a draw against England. We should beat the other two. Should be good enough, even with a loss, to get through. So I can get positive positive odds on, on the Wales game to win. Should I feel confident with that? Oh, gosh. I haven't even looked at World Cup win. betting yet. I, plus, I money, plus money to win? Yeah. Oh, I don't like that, Leland. Is a draw minus money? No, I... I, I'm not gonna choose a draw. I'm not. I'm never. Gonna I'm saying, is that the is that the odds on favorite? I can't remember now. Uh, okay, doesn't matter. All right, Group C has the World Cup favorite according to EA Sports, which has predicted the last. Oh, let's see. So Since old. 2010, has predicted He's each so World old, Cup. Though. How are they the favorites? It has predicted the World Cup correct the World Cup winner since 2010. Um. Wow. They picked Argentina. But, only, but that's only like four of them. Right. But it is kind of still. <laughs> it's four, four is still good. Yeah. Four in a row is still pretty good. Um, that being said, I think they get this one wrong because I don't think Argentina wins. Yeah, he's too old. Argentina, if they're not careful, won't escape this group. Mexico is oh, good. Awesome. Poland is good. Oh, you know what? I'm going to say Argentina falls flat on their face. Mexico oh, cool. wins the group. Poland is second. I hope you make bets that say that. I won't. Not for lots of money. <laughs> Not for lots of money. Um, group D, France, Australia. When are you betting lots of money? That's fair. Uh, well, <laughs> over the course of a day, <laughs> Saturdays and Sundays. Um, <laughs> D, group D, France, Australia, Denmark, Tunisia. I think France is coming out easily. I like Denmark to come out second. So a year ago, I think I said I was I was going to try to ride like France was going to be my alternate team. You were very when the happy. U.S. was like before because like last time when the U.S. was out of it, I kind of was was on that because they had France. that young talent. Yes. Am I still wise to do that or do I need to? France a is a favorite. It's really hard to win back to back World Cups. I don't remember the last time it was done. So really hard to do. I had a good time riding with them last time. It really worked out for me. Sure. <laughs> group it was my Colorado avalanche of soccer. Group E, you have Spain, Costa Rica, Germany, and Japan. I want to say Germany is going to get out of this group, but man, Japan could really pose a threat to that. Spain probably is definitely coming out of this group. I'm going to say Germany does get out, but it that Germany-Japan match is going to be fantastic and probably decides who gets out of that group. So the Japan men are kind of 
I know that they're not as good as the Japanese women, but they are, they are good. They are competent. I've missed really no one that, that the Japanese guys were even somewhat good. So that's, that's interesting. Group F Belgium and Croatia will get out, uh, over Canada and Morocco group. Canada can't make any noise there. No, Canada's bad. Um, Group G, Brazil, Serbia, Switzerland, Cameroon. Brazil is the only surefire answer in this group. Switzerland is going to play the most boring soccer you can watch. They are going to play for nil-nil most of the match and hope they somehow score a goal by accident to win. Serbia does have the ability to get some surprises. I just think with Brazil, Switzerland, and Cameroon, they're not going to get enough surprises. So for me, it comes down to Switzerland, Cameroon. I'm going to pick Cameroon over Switzerland to get out of this group, but that's going to be tough. Group H is interesting as well. That has Portugal, Ghana, Uruguay, and South Korea. I'm going to say this is another fall flat on your face for the other big soccer star. I'm going to say Portugal falls flat on their face here. I like Uruguay and Ghana to come out of this. I would have said South Korea, but one of their players is missing for this World Cup due to one of those injuries that I mentioned earlier. It's a big He's from Korea. What kind of missing is he? Uh, Injury. Um, Okay, good. So it's a big blow to the South Koreans' chance. I like Ghana and Uruguay to come out. Overall winner... Ghana was where Patrick Nierko from Virginia Tech soccer when I was in when I was a Hokie when I was at Virginia Tech. Patrick Nierko was from Ghana. He was the man. I assume he's not playing on that team. He's probably an old man like me now. Uh, but yeah, I'll, I'll I'll ride with Ghana. That'd be cool. Um, overall, I like England, but Brazil's not a bad bet. Brazil's really loaded. Um, I just think this is going to be the year England finally does it. Although England wow. has some injuries too, so. Now, when we get out of the group stage, do, like the top, the top two teams out of each group come out? Do we? Is this like VHSL playoffs where we're going to have to come back and beat England again? At no, some, or we play will. England again, or we won't see England again seven. until a World Cup final. Good. We will play. So they completely flop them out. Yeah, we Good. would play if we finish second in Group B. We would play the top team out of Group A. Which, if it's Senegal or Ecuador, mm. is winnable. Either one of those is winnable. And then um, past that, we're going to be in big trouble. Yeah, because that's where you're going to run to somebody really good. Yeah. But enough. U.S., it's all about getting to that quarterfinal. It's all about getting out of the group stage, hopefully getting to the quarterfinal, that round of eight. If you can get to that quarterfinal, awesome. That gives me some confidence. We are one of the youngest teams in the World Cup. We're sending one of the youngest teams ever in the World Cup. Um, this is about having a good showing here. So in 2026, we can be ready to make a deep run. And hopefully we have a coach who knows how to use our players. And that's on home soil then too, right? Yeah. That will be hosted by us, Canada and Mexico, but the bulk of the matches, bulk of bulk of the matches in the United States. I'm fine with that logic considering, considering anybody that would be old on our team right now was part of the group that didn't even qualify for the world cup. And that mess I'm, I'm good with being young. I like it. Let them learn their lessons and and do what they can do. What I know that you need to know, Yellowstone is back. Ah, that's me too. So, yeah, we're on the same here. All right, cool. Well, then we can both talk about it. Um, Yellowstone is back. Um, I don't want to say anything that's going to be a spoiler. I texted you, and you didn't text me back. Um, that's fine. I'm used to it. 
I just assume it's because you hate me and don't want to talk to me ever outside of this podcast. At least I don't have to say it out loud. You just get it. That's good. Yeah. But um, <laughs> there was there was a decision made by a character that I thought was incredibly stupid. And um, it left me being like, I. it's hard for me to feel bad for this person during this tragedy that happens in this episode because I just think they're incredibly dumb. That person has made some decisions before that I highly questioned. So it's it's not the first time. Yep. When, you know, they're baiting, when she puts herself as bait in uh, in previous season, I thought that was an odd choice. Um, yeah, I, I am kind of struggling with this show because I actually wasn't even excited for it to come back. Because I... I guess I just struggle with how negative this show is. Like it's really hard to root for anybody in this show. Um, I like Casey, but even he was probably one of the, did most of the bad stuff the first season. So like, it's kind of come around to where I like him the best, but everybody else just like, they seem miserable and unlikable. So it's just like, I, I guess it's just not my, it's not the mood that I want for a show right now. Um, and it, lived up in that first season opening but if you like the show it's it's more of the same kind of vibe on a lot of stuff it's just it just it's it's just it seems like everybody's mad about their life like the son jamie i don't get how he's still around like (laughs) i i just don't get it but then also some of the choices especially in this first episode this isn't a huge spoiler alert but they're throwing stuff in with beth to I think soften her and make you maybe like her more. And it's like, that ain't gonna work guys. Like, <laughs> yeah, you've burned that bridge. Yeah. I assume they're setting you up to like start feeling sorry for her. And then she'll go right back at it. I very like, that's what I said out loud when we were watching it. Um, that like, they're just teeing you up to see more Beth being Beth, but like, it just feels like a waste of time and not genuine for them to try to soften her up. Um, but I also I will I'll say watch. this without being a spoiler. There's some stuff that happens in this. And I, I talked about it with some folks at work today who who also watch Yellowstone. It w- it seems like that part of the story was written by someone who has no idea how government works. Oh my goodness! The whole government aspect of this show is because there like, was some stuff being said that I was like, "That's not enforceable. That you can no. never do that." His 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 tax plan. I'm like, you can't. Your yeah. tax plan is gone out the window. You can't be like, "There's a car tax." For people that don't live in Montana. I'm like, how do you enforce that? Do you have Montana State troopers at every entrance to Montana? Be like, oh, sorry, sir, you have to pay a tax. Um, I mean, I I assume by the end of the season they'll be building a wall around the state. There was there was just some stuff that I just like laugh out loud funny because I was like, that's not how any of that works. Um, you can have a tax on the hotels, but you can't. You can't tax the other stuff like he wanted to tax it. Um, I I do want to see Jamie. I think the more, not Jamie, the more that um, Casey Casey is on that horse, the better. Because I, I think like I think you could get some good drama out of that aspect of the show and, and him like managing the um, livestock, policing the livestock. Just right away from I, all of his problems. Yeah, and then plus we just don't have to see everybody just like grimace about how terrible their life, their rich, rich life is. I was going to say, it is really hard. I think it is setting up for an ending here. Um, I'm not sure if it ends after this season or if they're going to try for a sixth season. 
I will I say know, I, I think hope. he was ending this season. I, apparently, that's not a thing. I I really thought this was the last season. I I would hope if it's not this season, it's the next one because I it just kind of feels like they're starting to get to that point where they're going to lose. Like they're going up against some people they just can't beat, and and there's some yeah. stuff getting in the way that there is a decision that is made near the end of that. Uh, I guess second episode that when it is made, I was like, okay, that's the end game for him. Um, but which I thought I was interesting. I also have noticed that, uh, and then maybe it's, you know, the fact you get shot on the side of the road and left for dead, but like, um, the main character, John Dutton, who is Kevin Costner, he's gone into full Batman voice. Like he is just grunting everything he says. Like, I mean, he's, he has the Batman mask on Batman voice, like, like everything is just ground out of his mouth it's cowboy talk man it seems like it's progressed it's cowboy <laughs> talk it's old cowboy talk um but yeah i one of my favorite moments in that show and it was a good one was when the kid um like falls in the river and he has to go in after him i love i liked that that was good that was like a good portion of that because like he was building that bond with that grandkid that he hadn't been around a whole lot I did appreciate those storylines, but they've gotten away from that. Oh, see, I didn't. You didn't. I don't. I don't like that kid. He's not the greatest actor. I don't like the character, and I don't like. Yeah, I don't like the actor. He. I don't know. I didn't mind that because I thought, like, for humanizing this family, I thought that was like a more believable storyline than some of the stuff we've gotten. That's what I liked about it. it. Was like, here's this rich guy who you know is just pulling all the strings and now he's kind of like put back on his butt during that storyline of like, you know, having to build a true relationship with this young person and stuff. And I, I don't know. I, I thought that was one of the more believable storylines than like that kid's dad killing the uncle and all that. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, I would say anything, anything that happened on the reservation, like in the first season, like it was just none of it made sense. I would say watch Succession. You go to jail for murder sometimes. Not in that show. Um, Not not in that show. There's one character who's murdered multiple people and has not gone to jail. Um, Or been involved in the murder of multiple people. Um, But anyway. I would say watch Succession on HBO because it's great. I've watched some. Okay. I was going to say, that seems like another show, though, you're going to be... It's going to be hard for you to watch because there is zero. Yeah, there's zero likable people. That's what I picked up on. But I think it's a good story. And that's why I like Yellowstone. I think there are good stories being told here. Some of them, like this season already, like I said, with the government stuff, I just laugh out loud because I'm like, that's not. No. Okay. Um, But I do think think there are other good stories. And Succession is a great story. Um. But what I think this show is, it is House of Cards Western. in the Wild West. Like, yeah, it's just like all this stuff that can really never come together. And maybe some of the House of Cards stuff we've seen since. But like, yeah, yeah it's just like all this stuff is like no way all this happens. And it just all works out like perfectly to be terrible. And like, that's what this show reminds me of when I like and I've watched. I don't know, I guess I watched some Yellowstone and then House of Cards. But it's just the same kind of dynamic in a different setting. Yeah, there's oh yeah, it's another show where there's not really anybody to root for. But I think sometimes right. that's I think sometimes you can tell good stories that way, and I just like good stories. So if you have a good story on a good show, I like it. And if not, 
get the hell out. Um, but that will do it for us on this week's Yak Sports Podcast. Yeah, it will. It will wrap us up. We hopefully will be talking about a state champion for defiance volleyball team next week i know we talked about how they have their hands full this this week but with a game tuesday and then hopefully a game saturday hopefully we're talking about that next week we know we'll be talking about more high school football next week as uh hopefully we still have three teams in there um but uh we will be here to break it all down next week on the yak sports podcast you've been listening to yak sports your augusta county sports podcast 